And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 76. Excited to be back on with you. And uh, coming up here next, we have Superintendent of the Salisbury School District in Pennsylvania, not far here from Port Jervis, New York, Dr. Randy Zeigenfuss. And I will get the correct, correct, correct pronunciation here soon. I already spelled the name wrong once, and I hope to not get in trouble again uh, with the superintendent. But we're going to meet Dr. Z coming up here in a few minutes. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and being part of Hashtag ELB. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, if you're liking it, reach out to me on Twitter uh, and you know help promote the show and uh, leave a positive review. That would be great. Do want to give a shout out to today's sponsor. Uh, they're a group that's been helping me up here in the Northeast. That's Catskill Marketing. Uh, they do everything from help with this production to uh, website design, campaign development, photography, video production, etc. They're kind of a, a catch-all, and they have been helping me with all of the things that I'm doing um, with this program, with my book, and things like that. So uh, that is CatskillMarketing.com. Uh, they're run by Matt Gottlieb and Johnny Ilovansky. And um, they kind of help with, with all of this stuff uh, with technology and, and, and social media and all of that kind of stuff. And they're certainly very user friendly. So their phone number is 845-787-3927. That is Catskill Marketing. Uh, you can email them also, info at catskillmarketing.com. And their web website is catskillmarketing.com. Again, my friends, uh, Matt Gottlieb and Johnny Ilvansky, uh, sponsoring the show today. So we certainly appreciate that. Before we meet Dr. Z, again, our guest today from the Salisbury School District, I uh, just wanted to have a little opening comment uh, or a concept, and that's on listening, right? Dr. Z is a great leader. He teaches leadership at some local colleges and certainly teaches leadership in his job as superintendent. And one of those skills is a work in progress for me, and I'm constantly working on it. I thank my wife for being patient with me and teaching me about that, but it's listening, right? And, and being an active listener and being a good listener. So we're gonna use the acronym LADDER when you think about listening, right? And there's a concept for each one of those letters. So if you're watching at home and you're jotting these down, Certainly L is first, looking at the person, making eye contact. Uh, we're in a, a generation now, we're in a time now where so much communication is via text, social media, that kind of stuff. And um, certainly the personal interaction with people, that eye contact is a very important thing. So looking at the person. Number two, ask questions, right? If someone's talking about something, uh, say things like, hey, can you tell me more about that? Or how did that make you feel? Or what else happened? Or what happened next? Right? You're leading the person along. Uh, so L, looking at the person. And A, asking questions. Show them that you're interested in what they're talking about. The next one, and guilty, uh, you know, I come from a big Italian family in Staten Island, and it was a lifetime of interruptions. But don't interrupt, right? L-A-D, don't interrupt. Just kind of let them go on and, and talk. Uh, my wife is a guidance counselor, and she does a great job with that and uh, uh, certainly certainly helps with that. Number four, or the second D, don't change the subject. Just have them continue, 
right? And again, asking questions. Tell me more about that. Um, have them continue in what they were talking about. E, empathize with what they're talking about. Make comments like, I understand. You know, I, I feel what you're, you're going through. You certainly sometimes when people are talking about loss, you say, I understand. Uh, and maybe that that might not be the right comment at the right time. But certainly you can be an empathetic ear with what they're saying. And lastly, again, talking about ladder when you're listening, using the acronym ladder, being an active listener, respond verbally and non-verbally. Right. Body language is such a big thing uh, in communication and um things that you do, smiling, nodding, um, you know, th this is not a good thing. Crossing your arms, but responding verbally and non-verbally uh, as that. So as a leader, as an educator, as someone who's working on their craft, put that in your toolbox, being a good listener, using ladder. Look at the person, ask questions, don't interrupt, don't change the subject, empathize and respond verbally uh, and put that in your toolbox. Um, one of the things we like to do here on the show, we are live. We're live on Facebook, and I'll be putting this out on social media, uh, is people reaching out to us. And that's an aspect of the show that I appreciate it. Uh, John Bell, Dr. John Bell from Delaware Valley Schools. I know, I know he knows Dr. Z, and um, he's on here watching. So if you are watching live and you have a question, put that up there for Randy and I, and uh, I will do my best to try to get to that uh, during the show. Uh, and if the show's over and you're watching it uh, later, certainly put a question or comment up there, and uh, Randy and I will try to get back to you with that. That being said, let's bring uh, Dr. Zagenfus in. Hello, doctor. Welcome to the program. Afternoon, Andrew. How are you today? I am great, and uh, thanks for squeezing us in. I know you've uh, got a busy schedule here, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Yeah. Doc, uh, you know, you're in the uh, the Bethlehem area there, the, uh, the you know, down there, Allentown area. Um, you've been there quite your whole life. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're superintendent now in the Salisbury School District. But tell me about your journey uh, and, and how you landed in that seat. So it's a it's a pretty non-traditional journey, actually. Uh, and, and we'll start with the sort of the, lo the location. Uh, being here in the Lehigh Valley, I was born and raised in Bethlehem, went to Bethlehem schools, graduated from Freedom High School. Um, as, a, as a kid growing up, my passion was music. And uh, so my aspiration in life was to be a high school band director, well, which I didn't, didn't reach that aspiration, but along the way, the journey changed. And uh, so I graduated from Moravian College with a, with a music degree and uh, then started teaching in a neighboring school district, East Penn School District, and was there for 19 years. Wow. And uh, taught middle school general music and theater, and I had never done anything in theater prior to that too, but I got inspired actually by theater at that point, and um, did that for 12 years, and then in that same school district, that was around the time, probably early 90s, when, uh, boards of education started putting technology into classrooms and there was a computer and a bunch of computers actually that landed in my music room and I remember one summer I got permission to take it take one of the computers home and just became fascinated by this and ended up buying my own and connecting to the internet and it was just a really um, connected with my passion to learn new things and so uh, after teaching for 12 years I became an instructional technology specialist in East Penn did that for seven years, went back to school, got a master's degree, 
uh, in technology, instructional, educational technology, particularly technology leadership, and uh, then moved to the neighboring school district, Salisbury, where I currently am. So I started here actually 13 years ago. This is my 13th year uh, as the director of technology, then uh, probably six or seven years. I'm not sure exactly how many, somewhere around there, then became uh, the assistant superintendent. And then this is my fifth year as the superintendent. Wow. And my 32nd year in education. Yeah, I'm doing some math here, uh, Dr. Z. There's a lot of years. You put a lot of time uh, teaching in the classroom before you you, you shifted over to the leadership uh, portion of your, your career. Yeah, and, I, and you know, speaking of the leadership piece, too, I think I uh, actually learned a lot from um, being involved in music. And probably my my the thing that I enjoyed most about music was conducting. And you know, leading groups, whether they be choruses, bands, uh, actually did a, a. We have a local theater here called the State Theater in Easton that has a, a musical theater awards program for uh, high school theater. It's been around for a while. I did it for ten years. I was the music director, and you learn a lot about leadership from uh, creating that space where artists can contribute their voice to a. A larger, a larger outcome, a larger product, a larger um, artistic composition. Um, so I think probably um, that few stops on the journey there with music uh, definitely got me interested in the whole leadership bug. Well, and you could say you're doing the same thing as superintendent, right? Conducting the creativity of your staff and uh, developing these things, getting all everyone moving in the right uh, direction in the, in the same direction. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, if you, if you look at conductors, there's actually a really good, um, really good TED talk. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right, but it's e um, Palgum is his last name, Palgum or something like that. Um, but he does this, this TED talk on um, leadership and, and conductors. And he goes through these different examples of different styles of conductors. So you have the, you have the conductor that's very emphatic and direct and, you know, um, tells you exactly what to do. And then you have other conductors that sort of just create the space that those within the, the performing ensemble um, can add their voice. And uh, I, I remember seeing that and really connecting with that too, because I think you can be, you can be that kind of leader in any position, whether it's a, a formal position like a superintendent or principal, a, a teacher leader. Um, you can be someone who influences and creates the conditions to release um, powerful work in people, or you can you can be a dictator and you can you can be very autocratic and tell people exactly what to do. And and uh, I like to think I'm the kind of leader that creates the space for people to uh, to contribute to the work. But there's a lot of power between between conductors and leaders. And I like how you, you phrase that, creating space and unleashing power. And uh, th that's that's uh, a great way to, to put it. But speaking of that, Doc, I mean, your district has some great things going on. I know in, in some of our conversations, we chatted a little bit about it. But, you know, the Teaching and Learning um, Initiative 2020, the profile of a graduate, Project Wonder, there's so many, so many great things going on that are have been building, um, which one do you want to start with? There's so many I want to ask you about. Which one do you feel most passionate about or is on the top of your uh, top of mind right now? So let me let me frame this by going back to, um, sort, sort of gave you my bio in a very sort of 
traditional, no nonsense way, you know, here's my path, that kind of thing. So, but if I wanted to, if I wanted to transform that bio process, I might say something like this. Um, you know, I'm an educational leader, but I'm really passionate about one thing. There's one thing that really drives me, gets me up in the morning and, and makes it such a great, um, great fun coming here to work. And that is this idea of transforming education. And by transforming, really looking at like radical transformation, not just change and tinkering around the edge, but, you know, and I, I know I probably won't do this in my time left here in public ed, but really want to really want to turn education upside down because I don't believe that what we do now in schools, the traditional, let's call it the dominant way of the dominant conversation around school is really working for our kids. Um, I'm really passionate about um, thinking about the future, um, do a lot of reading and, and bringing that into the work that we do here and, and asking that question of what are the knowledge, skills and dispositions that our kids are gonna need to thrive in that future, whether they're graduating this year in 2019 as seniors, or 2031 is our current kindergartners are gonna graduate. So I'm really passionate about this idea of transforming education. And, and that's you know, what we're attempting to do here in the school district. And you know, before I talk about any of these things in, in a little bit more detail, wanna definitely say that this is a collaborative effort. Um, if we really wanna change school, it has to be a community effort. It has to be an effort of all array of stakeholders. And uh, it's not the vision of one person or two people or a handful of people, it's everybody. And, and we have a great team here of school leaders, um, central office leaders up and down the organization, as well as our teachers, um, our students, our families, our parents, our school board. Um, everybody has um, bought into our vision uh, for transforming education. And that starts with something that you mentioned earlier, the profile of the graduates. So back in 2015, we had a year long conversation around that question that I mentioned earlier about knowledge, skills and dispositions. And uh, we created a graphic. Um, if you Google Salisbury Township and profile the graduate, you probably find that um, out there. And that is sort of our North Star. That's our vision. Uh, that's where we wanna get our kids um, before they graduate, before they leave us. And uh, as we were doing that work, we asked another question. So if this is our vision, if this is our North Star, what do our learning environments need to look like now? And so we connected with a group called Education Reimagined and they have uh, a North Star of their own for powerful learning and it has five elements to it. And we adopted those five elements. And, since then, we've been having conversations around how do we actually transform learning. Um, and I will say, kind of goes back to that, that leadership story that I mentioned earlier about creating space. In this transformation effort and in powerful learning, it's really all about this idea of agency. Um, everybody is, has, has that agency in them. The people around them, the leaders around them, whether they're students or, or teachers need to release that agency. We need to provide the space for people to release that agency. And once we get that, um, we can see a lot of good things happening. And, and you mentioned some of those things. Um, we've been a one-to-one -one district for eight years now. Um, mm -hmm. Technology is, is, is pretty much like oxygen around here. We don't talk about it much, but we do talk about um, powerful learning experiences. 
Um, and just one example, and then we'll get into a conversation because I feel like I'm talking a lot here. No, this is amazing. I'm, I'm writing down so much here. This is a terrific. You, you mentioned uh, Project Wonder. So, you know, this is an example of, you know, the whole transformation process. It really needs to be a combination of grassroots coming from um, the classroom level, the teacher level, the building level, and, you know, a little bit of top down there too in terms of establishing the vision. Um, and leading that conversation. So Project Wonder is an example of, you know, the, the grassroots along with um, top level leadership working together to create basically a prototype. Um, we look at it as um, something on the edges. We've got a core system, which is still very dominant in the traditional school model, but how do we create something on the edges that represents those powerful learning experiences where maybe kids don't get letter grades. Maybe it's all about feedback. Maybe kids are connecting to um, and developing along with their teachers, co-creating projects. And then we can back map, back map things to standards. Um, so uh, it's a really fun place to go. We have, uh, we started at very small scale. We have uh, 16 or 17 students. Um, parents that are excited and involved. And uh, it's a great place to go and to see um, some different kind of learning experiences. It's not to diminish the kinds of learning experiences that are going on in other schools or in our schools as well that are more traditional. Um, but this is, an, uh, this is a, an area in which we're trying to transform um, learning in our classrooms. And, and we're gonna learn from that. And we're learning learning from that um, this year, and we'll see where that goes in, in future years. But that's just a, a little glimpse into some of the things that we're doing in terms of transforming education. You know, Dr. Randy, it's, it's, it's great. I wrote down so many things uh, that you said, and I know you host your own podcast also, and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But I've had a chance to meet so many great leaders that are doing such great things in education, and I continue to hear this. I continue to hear people like yourself that are trying to change that model. Um, what are some of the hurdles uh, that you're going through? Some of the resistance, um, because they say the only people that like change is the baby with a wet diaper. And uh, sometimes change can be difficult. Tell me some of your, your strategies. And, you know, you had mentioned about getting all of these people on board. Uh, tell me more about the challenges or some of the struggles that you've had. So th the way that we can look at leadership is is really the same way that we look at learning in the classroom. And we can look at everybody within the organization as a learner. And what we want to try to model as leaders is what we call learner-centered leadership. Um, when we went to school and learned about leadership, it was, it was a lot of, you know, top-down, here's, you know, what we can do to keep the system standardized and flowing along efficiently, things like that. But learner-centered leadership um, is, is a little bit different in that you go back to that idea of agency and you want to release that agency in people. Um, so getting back to your question, uh, one of the challenges is shifting mindsets and shifting mindsets that people want to embrace the why around we need around why we need to change and shifting their mindset. And, and we could go in as leaders and say, okay, here are the five things that you need to believe. Um, you know, take a one, take a six hour PD and on the other side of that, your, your mindset will be shifted. Well, that's not how human nature works. So as leaders, we need to give people the space to sort of wrestle with those ideas about 
what does it mean that my role as a teacher is changing? And let's have conversations around that. And our principals do that with our teachers. And we do that on professional development days. And it's it's like a slow process of getting people to change their mindset. So, so one of the barriers and one of the challenges is, is that we oftentimes want to move too fast. And we when we want to move too fast, we get into school-centered mode and we start being directive. Yeah. And we start saying, okay, here are the five things you need to do. Now go do that. Go change that lesson. You're going to change it this way and you're going to go do that. But that's not sustainable. It doesn't stick. It doesn't change because that person's agency has pretty much been robbed of coming to that in terms of their own context, their own mental models, their own mm. mindsets. And so, you know, one of those barriers is speed and time. Like, yeah, Guilty. You know, Guilty. <laughs> we, we could say we got this vision, we got these learning beliefs, you know, come September 1st of 2019, we're going to be a 100% learner-centered school. Well, that's not going to work because it requires people to shift their mindsets because as soon as we move on, everybody will go back to their old ways of doing things. And that's sort of the change process. Um, we have a natural immunity to change. Think about all the things in life we try to change that are so challenging. You know, we try to lose weight. We try to go to the gym. We try and have better relationships. We try and, you know, get more organized. We try and have goals. We try to assess those goals. And, and we oftentimes fail at those things because we haven't yet shifted our mindset to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I think going back to your question again, biggest barrier is, is shifting my, trying to shift mindsets too quickly. And you got to give people the space and time to do that. Yeah, I love it. This, and the word agency and, and being robbed of that is very powerful, uh, Randy. And uh, I admire the, your style there, uh, the way you describe that. How about the profile of a graduate? You know, I'm a high school principal and uh, we are trying to get every these kids college and career ready. You hear all the things that uh, these graduates need and whether they're going to the workforce or college. What were the some of the things that came out of that? What are what, do you, what skills are you looking for your students to have? Yeah, and that was a, it was a year-long conversation, and we met with uh, Lynn, our associate superintendent, and I met with different stakeholder groups throughout the year. We basically collated the data, presented it out, and ended up with this, this profile that graduated. And, and some of the things that came through loud and clear, well, let's start with what didn't come through. Okay, there was no thing about being successful on standardized tests. <laughs> that was not something that um, was was a prominent part or even on the radar of that conversation. I think that's really important. Um, but things like the the four C's, you know, collaboration, communication, critical thinking, those sorts of, of uh, skills. And, you know, you read about that all the time. I mean, one of my favorite resources is the World Economic Forum. You know, go go to their website and, you know, they got prognosticators on there talking about changing jobs, artificial intelligence, technology, things like that, and constantly talking about the four C's. So skills, really important. And, and think about that. Ask yourself that question. Ask our listeners, ask yourselves that question. You know, are, is what we do in school now really helping kids to find problems? to think creatively about solving those problems by collaborating with other people. What are the problems in your community that kids could actually be solving? And is that sort of a a test bed 
to develop some of those skills. And one of the challenges here, going back to your earlier question is, do we as educators exhibit those same skills in the way that we that our kids are going to need them? And that's a that's a challenging, tough question um, for, for us to answer. Um, so we've got the skills, we got dispositions, um, you know, grit, perseverance, empathy, caring. Um, we have lots of conversations, sort of that social emotional learning. You know, how do you, you know, how do you regulate your emotions? How do you, when you're collaborating with people, you know, how do you, how do you read them? Um, you know, our world is becoming much more global because technology doesn't look at boundaries, doesn't acknowledge boundaries. So, you know, if I'm collaborating with somebody in a different time zone or a different culture, you know, how, what kind of skills and dispositions do I need? Um, different language. How do I overcome, you know, maybe some of the frustration or, or the cultural differences? You know, are we teaching our kids that? Because that's something that's going to be part of their world. And then, you know, sets of knowledge. And, and these are really flexible. Of course, we've got our core knowledge. Um, our, our community talked a lot about health literacy, um, the, not only the social, emotional, but the physical, uh, mental health, um, uh, global literacies. Um, so things like that. And, and, you know, they're all very aspirational at this point. And as time goes on, we're going to really probably start to define what do some of those look like at different grade spans. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we don't get back into that sort of school-centered mode, but we do want to have um, certain benchmarks along the way that demonstrate proficiency in, in those different knowledge, skills, and dispositions. So, you know, we've started that work, plenty of it to do yet. Um, but changing a system is never easy or quick. And or quick, not fast. That's great. Um, Doc, you've mentioned technology a few times. I know you've won technology awards uh, and, you know, you're a leader in technology. How did you personally grow yourself? You talked about the first time you took the, you know, the computer home and you connected to the Internet. You know, now you're a podcast host. You're big on social media. Um, you, you have, you're a one-to-one -one district. Tell me about your own personal growth uh, using technology. Well, I think the thing that drives that is curiosity. Um, curiosity about how does technology help us become better learners. Um, going back to that idea of agency, you know, when we look at technology products, one of the questions we have is who gets the agency, the system, the teacher, or the learner? And, you know, how how... I guess having that curiosity about tech tools and, and how do they help us become better learners and um, tying it back to learning and not just about the flashy, the flashy object. You know, Lynn oftentimes will tell me, don't get distracted by the, by the shiny object. <laughs> uh, sometimes I can, you know, like I'll, you know, tend to gravitate towards buying, you know, the, the latest iPhone and things like that too. But it's really not about the stuff. It's really about the learning. And that's been something that has evolved over the course of time that we've been, you know, one-to-one. -one. Early on, many of our conversations really focused on the tech. You know, what are the tools? What are the best tools to use? How do we use them? You know, um, our computer techs would do professional development around the tech tools. And, you know, now that that conversation has gotten buried and now elevated the conversation around learning. Um, but going back to your original question, I'd say curiosity, you know, and we, we need to be curious as educators around all aspects of our of our job. But when we're talking about technology, 
Let's be curious about tools and who gets the agency. Absolutely. And uh, again, if you are watching live, please don't hesitate to put a question out for uh, Dr. Z uh, and or myself. Uh, to, we can uh, put it live right here on the program. Doc, including in technology, you have been hosting your own podcast for quite some time now, um, you know, TTL Radio, uh, Talk Radio. Uh, tell me about that journey and, and uh, you know, your podcast. So TL Talk Radio has been around for five years. And two years ago, we started a second podcast, uh, Shift Your Paradigm. Shift Your Paradigm. And, yeah. uh, Lynn and I, our associate superintendent here and my collaborator in work, uh, Lynn Funihatton and I have uh, been working on these podcasts for quite some time. And, and really what's inspired them, if we go back five years, was again, curiosity. curiosity. And uh, it was about, okay, we're going to do this transformation work. Um, where do we start? So we were like, who are the, who are the thought leaders? Who are the authors? Who are the experts? Who are the people that we can learn from and we can connect with them, give them the opportunity to put their ideas out there through a podcast and then we can um, disseminate those within our own organization and have that be a, a learning tool as well. So, you know, we've gotten to the point where we um, book time on a regular basis and connect with people and uh, like yourself, you've been on the podcast as well. And uh, we learn from you. You get a little exposure out of it. And uh, our organization learns as well. Now, our second podcast, Shift Your Paradigm, was really inspired by that idea around learner-centered leadership. So as we were doing this transformation work, we realized that we can't lead in a school-centered paradigm. we got to lead in a learner-centered paradigm. And what does that mean? <laughs> so who's doing it? We got curious. Who's doing this? And what we found is there are a lot of really powerful learning environments around the, around the country. So on that podcast, um, we connect with learner-centered learners and leaders. So we got young, young, young folks, elementary age up to high school, um, talking about their powerful learning experiences. And um, we talk with the leaders as well. So um, we're looking forward this year to, to bring in some of our own folks on who are doing some uh, powerful learning. And uh, again, that, that uh, something like that podcast is, you know, as, as practitioners, we have a lot of tacit knowledge, a lot of stuff that's in our head that we do that nobody really ever knows about. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the purposes of that podcast is to uncover some of that knowledge that, you know, there are, it's not the dominant conversation yet, but it's a conversation where people are really wanting to turn education upside down. So, what can we do to uncover that and uh, raise that, elevate that conversation around leadership um, for those who are interested in, in this kind of work? I love it, Doc. I love that your mindset and the things that you're talking about. And you're, you're, you're also putting your money where your mouth is here, you know, talking about a learner-centered paradigm and a learner-centered shift. You've spent days with different learners in your district. You have gone on different... Uh, uh, levels and different grade levels, but spent the day with the student, uh, including sitting in some of those tiny little desks in the elementary school. You're a big guy. Um, you motivated me to do it. I just spent the day with a senior. Awesome. And I'm going to do it again with a freshman. Tell me about that experience and what do you learn from those learners by uh, being in their day with them? Yeah. So uh, when, when you're looking to elevate learner-centered education, you got to start with the learner. And part of that is building a relationship with learners and having conversations with them. 
What's it like being a learner in our school? What's it like when you walk through the door? What's it like learning at home? And learning at home, not necessarily in doing school homework, but what kinds of things you're passionate about? You know, we know kids use YouTube as an example, just one example, use YouTube for their learning. Like, what are they learning? And let's have a conversation with kids. So um, a couple of years ago, there was a, an effort by the D School out in California called Shadow a Student Day. Um, and we participated in it, all of our administrators um, shadow a student on that day, then it became sort of shadow a student week, and now it's just shadow a student because every day you should be um, building those relationships with kids. And, um, you know, this year I've shadowed one kid already. I think I got one on my calendar for, for a couple of uh, months out and uh, just shadowing a learner. And, you know, I, I have sat in the third grade classroom all day and gone to specials and ate lunch and I have not traveled the bus yet though. That's one thing I didn't do. Um, but it's just really a powerful uh, opportunity to get the perspective from the learner. And again, if you really want to move away from the dominant school-centered conversation into a more learner-centered world, you gotta bring in that, that learner and understand, you know, what's the experience of being a learner in your organization and what would they like to see done differently? Yeah, hey, the student voice there. That was great. And I learned so much. And I actually have a board presentation coming up here soon. And that's going to be my my point is uh, what I learned by being with the students for the day, because sometimes, like you said, that dominant school mindset can, can take over. Doc, I know you have some responsibilities coming up here, but I did want to ask you one more question before we get to our rapid fire. Sure. Um, I learned so much from leaders uh, by their routines. Right. And and so many strong leaders uh, have such a, a morning routine, things that they get done. You know, tell me a little bit about your mornings uh, at work, right? Uh, Monday through Friday. And then do you have some special routines on the weekends uh, where you have some time that is for you, that you can sharpen your saw, things like that. So uh, two part question, your morning routines for work. And then on, on the weekend, how does Dr. Z carve out time that he can be the leader that he is? Sure. So yeah, morning routines. <laughs> that was something I've I've learned probably early on um, that that definitely sets the tone for the day. I'm I'm an early morning person, um, so I'm I'm usually rolling out of bed about 4 a.m., um, which is kind of funny because we're the snow the, the snow people. So you know people tease me a lot that that my my message of canceling or delaying school is very cheery. <laughs> <laughs> because I've already been up for like an hour or two. Sure. Um, so I do get up early and just find it, you know, it's a quiet time. I, I'm at my best then. I know some people might be at their best at the end of the day. For me, it's it's the morning. Usually do my reading. I read, I'm probably reading three books at one time, listening to an audio book, <laughs> things like that. Um, exercise, um, definitely exercise and, and keep the physical uh, up up to par to keep you lasting through a long day, especially in a, in a role like this. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then I'll pretty much, you know, get dressed and head out the door. I, you know, morning routine here, I, I bet if one tracked my days here, I am probably not in the office most mornings. <laughs> I mean, usually we're out in schools, um, out in other sort of regional meetings that we might have as superintendents. Um, you know, certainly days I am here in here in the office and um, usually my calendar is, is filled with crazy amounts of appointments and things like that. Um, and we do try to build in 
that white space into the calendar. I actually do um, about a month ahead of time block out chunks of time. So um, you know, I think early on in this role, I I realized that it was it could easily become a treadmill where you're going from one thing to the other and you're just yeah. totally exhausted at the end of the day. Absolutely, you have to build in those breaks. And the other part of your question was the weekend. So. Um, we're only about 90 minutes out of out of New York City, so you know that's my uh, that's my comfort place. Um, obviously, having been a music teacher, very passionate about the arts, um, love going to cultural events, hanging out, um, enjoying the city life. I'm definitely a city person, and uh, that's that's sort of my re-energizing. And you know, my idea of a summer vacation is let's go to New York. Cool. <laughs> And cool. hang out. You don't have to plan it because you know yeah, so city, much to do. City is uh, so filled with all sorts of things to do. Okay, uh, let's get to the rapid fire because I know I got to get you out of here. Uh, you have a busy schedule today, and I appreciate uh, you, you making the time for us. So uh, you mentioned about the books. Tell me, tell me about the last book you read. Um, so it's a bit heady, but I, I, I've been truly. Um, truly connected to this book. And it's been around for like 10 years too. It's called Power of Pull. It's by John Hagel and John Seely Brown. Um, and it really got me to ask the question of what is the purpose of education? What is the purpose of education? And, and is what we're doing now really gonna help get our kids in this world? And that's this, it's this idea that we've lived in a push world Think of school, pushing out curriculum, pushing out content. Here's the prescribed thing. It's all standardized. Into yeah. this pull world where the agency shifts away from the institution onto the person, the human, the individual, and what are the skills that one needs to be able to operate successfully in that pull world, which were, which has been transformed by technology. So that's been, uh, that's been one of my favorites. Cool. Last movie you saw. Okay, I'm really odd. I really don't watch movies. Okay, they're not on the docket. Like, I, as far as pop culture, TV series, movies, things like that. Like when people talk about that, I am clueless. Yeah, you are, you're doing you're doing your thing. Is there a show that you do like to watch? Uh, if it's not movies, is there something that you do uh, decompress with? No, no. Okay, I'll no. take it. I'm not a TV I'll or movie guy. How about other than New York City, your favorite place to travel? Where, where's somewhere you'd like to travel? Um, well, I just I was at FETC in Orlando last uh, last that. week, so uh, it wasn't all that warm, but definitely I like warm places. So uh, you know, been to been to Europe too, like Italy. We did when I was um, teaching music. We took kids. We traveled with kids all over. Um, I think Italy is probably one of my favorite places. Germany. We've got an exchange there. I've traveled with our kids. Um, to Germany as well. So um, love international travel, love warm weather. Cool. Uh, best thing about being the superintendent at Salisbury? Uh, connecting with people and kids and making a difference. Something that motivates you? Um, kids. And, um, you know, I don't have children of my own, but I do have uh, a great uh, nephew and two great nieces. And I'm I'm motivated to to change school for them because I wonder if the school system will will and they're very young they're you know under five uh, so I wonder I'm inspired by that. 
You mentioned your passion of music, that you came up as a music teacher. When you get in your car tonight, what kind of music is going to come on the uh, on your car there? <laughs> okay, so I'm really odd. I don't like movies. <laughs> I don't watch TV. Um, and so uh, obviously, you know, I like classical music. So that's that's a relaxer for me. Um, you know, I'll probably have a little bit of Mahler on or uh, or some contemporary music as well. But uh, yeah. I'm uh, classical is kind of my first thing to go to. Okay. Favorite artist that you've seen live? Um, well, I'm a subscriber to the New York Philharmonic. Okay. So you're in there a lot. Yeah. Fame, uh, the person that you'd like to see live the most. Wow. Um, Well, it used to be the San Francisco Symphony, but I went to a conference out there last year and I got to see them too. So I, I, I guess I'd say see them again. Okay. It's a great spot out there, the San Francisco Symphony. Fantastic. Uh, biggest pet peeve uh, of your job and your position? Um, uh, people who try to give you their monkeys. <laughs> Not my monkey. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because it's you know people will come to you with earnest um, concern about something, and and oftentimes they'll want you to own the problem. And it's you know school centered way is I'll own that problem. I'll tell you the five steps to solve it, and and you got to really you got to really put the brakes on that, and you try and create the conditions for them to own it, for them to move forward in getting to that solution, taking action. Yeah. I heard a great quote the other day, right? Don't don't be a, a dumping ground for someone else's garbage in their garbage truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same sort of thing. Absolutely. Doc, um, you know, you mentioned a book you're reading. I know you're working on a project, and, and I'm not sure if you're done yet, but you have a book coming out here soon. Is that correct? Um, well, I don't know if it's, it's actually over there on the on the stool there. there was I participated in uh, the Ed Right Now project this summer. Okay. Um, with 10 other authors. Um, you can find it on Amazon, Ed Right Now, Volume 2. And uh, I wrote a chapter on building relationships in learner-centered uh, learning environments. And the proceeds go um, to teenage suicide prevention. Wow. That's powerful. Say that again, Doc. E education Right Now? It's uh, Education Right Now, Volume 2, um, and hashtag Ed Right Now. And there are um, nine other authors in there, Jeff Zuhl, um, Sean Gallaird, Laura Gilchrist, a whole host of people um, who are awesome educators that um, we can all be inspired by. So check out. It's all about the theme of the book is all about relationships. Fantastic. Doc, um, how can people get in touch with you? You're doing so many great things. How can they follow you on, on social media and, and if they want to learn more about what you're doing at Salisbury? Sure. You can um, look me up on Twitter uh, at Zigeran, Z-I-E-G-E-R-A-N. First five of the last name, three of the first name. It's really odd. But I got more. it wrong earlier. Sorry. <laughs> uh, workingattheedge.org is uh, where I blog. And then the two podcasts, tltalkradio.org and shiftyourparadigm.org. You're a busy guy, Doc. I love it. You got a lot going on. You inspired me today. Uh, I got I got pages of notes here. Uh, great. Doc, how about, can you leave us with a favorite quote? Do you have something that you is a mantra of yours? Is, is something that you're passionate about? Uh, other than, you know, the things that we talked about today. Do you have a, a quote that you'd like to live by? 
So I, I will say that, you know, think quotes transition in and out of my brain. And I'll tell you one of the latest that I, that I heard that um, really got me thinking and inspired me because it's a very powerful message in a, in a handful of words. And it's from um, a podcast recording that we did yesterday with the principal of Design 39 Campus out in San Diego. His name's Joe Erpelding. And it was something like this. It was, um, it's not about grades or how many AP classes you've taken. What difference are you making in the world? Right. And ultimately, that's what we want to inspire our kids to do. It's not about getting great grades or taking a bunch of AP classes. It's ultimately about how are you changing the world? And that's what we want to inspire kids to do. So that that's a quote that's in my head at the moment. I love it. You're doing that at Salisbury, Doc, and uh, hopefully for our listeners today, going to change some of their practices. I really appreciate you making the time. I know we had to uh, squeeze you in. Uh, I wish you the best, Doc. No problem. I'm off to Boys Basketball Senior Night. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much. This is Dr. Uh, and help me pronounce it correctly. Is it Zeigenfuss? Ziegenfuss. Ziegenfuss. Okay. I know yeah, I probably won't well. we'll get the pronunciation right. All right. Take care. Doc, thanks so, thanks so much. Uh, we're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Dr. Z, certainly check him out on Twitter. Uh, and he mentioned the book, uh, Ed Education Right Now, Volume 2. Uh, that's a fundraiser. Uh, that's a great cause, Doc. Uh, if you did like the podcast, certainly retweet it out or leave us a, uh, a positive review on iTunes. Um, we'll get this out on social media. Dr. Z, thanks so much. All right, all the best, everyone. Signing off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond.